Zachary Wolf wrote a review in the New York Times on January 1st of this year, and he began this way. The Metropolitan Opera says its new production of Carmen aims at reinvigorating the classic story. To that end, director Carrie Cracknell has updated Bizet's tale of a heedless, headstrong woman and her tragic fate from the early 19th century in Spain to present-day America. It seems that the action has been placed somewhere along the border with Mexico, where guns are smuggled in long-haul trucks and rodeo riders are local celebrities. This change is intended to find the relevance to contemporary concerns in the piece, as Cracknell says in an interview in the program. We know that resituating operas and works of Shakespeare, for example, is a common practice in the theater. But we're about to learn of a play where the specific time and place are crucial to the impact of the story. We're told Martina Mayok's sanctuary city takes place between 2001 and 2006, a little over 20 years ago from today, and also in a very different landscape for the United States. The aftermath of the September 11th attacks on the World Trade Center would send the country into a high state of fear and panic, one that would dramatically change the lives of immigrants trying to obtain citizenship. Mayok's play offers a window into the lives of B and G, two undocumented immigrants facing these high-stakes challenges as they simply try to navigate being teenagers in high school. The aftermath of 9-11 left a large hole of uncertainty in the United States. How could we possibly move forward after a catastrophe that killed 2,996 innocent people leaving the country as a whole in a state of grief. All 19 of the 9-11 hijackers came to the U.S. on tourist, business, or student visas. Some overstayed their visas, while others provided false documents in their applications. As soon as the information about the attackers went public, there was an outbreak of fear, which sparked the beginnings of a debate that continues into today around the threat of immigrants in this country. As the fear and anxiety built, President George W. Bush adjusted practices around immigration. While many of the previous efforts focused on citizenship pathways, the new policies centered more on counterterrorism measures, including the establishment of the DHS, Department of Homeland Security. Bush's team created these structures in an effort to protect the United States from terrorism. DHS became a stepping stone for policies that continue to affect immigrant communities today, such as heightened deportation practices and detention centers. President Bush executed a three-month ban on refugee admission between 2000 and 2002, which falls right in the midst of the timeline in the play Sanctuary City. We would not see admission numbers build back to anywhere near pre-9-11 numbers until 2009. Here, an exchange between the characters B and G in the play. Which, I can't go, says B. Why, asks G. Because I can't pay for that. For college, by myself. Neither can I, but aid. 
I can't apply for aid. Why? Because I'm not supposed to be here. Words of the Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Martina Mayok in the play Sanctuary City, quoted in the study guide created by Steppenwolf Theater of Chicago for their fall 2023 production of the work. Sanctuary City will open at the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble on January 18th and run through February 4th with Bruce Gomez as B and Kimi Miroria as G. And we had a chance to speak with them by phone about the play and about the characters, Teenager B and Teenager G. Sanctuary City is a story about two dreamers who start off as teenagers in high school, sort of wrestling with their identities and what it means to to be safe in this country without that legal like immigration status and trying to navigate through social relationships and things of that nature and trying to figure out how they can attain that greater status and be on, on level pegging with everyone else. Yeah, two people who were brought to America as children and grew up here and haven't really known anything else and so feel very uh, American and are struggling with, with what it means to be an American when you don't have citizenship and how to navigate all of that. And what brings these two characters together initially? They are, they, they find solace and, and comfort in each other. They meet each other shortly after they've uh, arrived in the States and have grown up together and have the same immigration status. So I think that's definitely something that like they feel safe to talk about it with each other whereas they might not feel safe to talk about it with anybody else. And so I think there's a lot of uh, that initial draw, and then they just become safe spaces in general for each other when things start to go south in their lives, respectively. And the playwright is an award winner, right? A Pulitzer Prize winner. Mm -hmm. Martina Mayock. And she creates teenage characters who are believable as teenagers. Yeah, and there are a lot of the dialogue is uh, talking over each other, interrupting each other, and a lot of like loose language, and and these are two people who are like not as teenagers. You don't have the skill set to like emotionally regulate that some folks might have later in life, and so there's a lot of like explosive attack attacking of each other, and then immediate forgiveness, and attack. You know, it's so it's it's a very it's definitely a relationship that I identified as having when I was a teen in, in high school and how I hang out and joke with my friends and talk to my friends and everything. So I, I feel I feel pretty pretty teenagery when I'm when I'm screaming at Bruce. I think being not too removed from my teenage years and getting getting farther away from it. I, I do feel that this is it, it resonates with me as much as it can, having different life experiences from the characters to what I experienced in, in high school, and, and it, especially with the dialogue, like you said, Kimi, it, it, feels, very, it feels very natural, it feels very, it feels very authentic as opposed to some other scripts where you might wait for another person to, to finish a thought. It is just that, like, that teenage, you, you have something to say and you want to get it off your chest, and the other person does too, and you guys are sort of finding within a conversation to get words out. You used the word dreamers, and we know what that means in terms of the immigration status of young ones. There's the dreamers, there is the American dream, all kinds of dreaming going on here. Yeah, you know, there's, again, without giving too too much away, 
one one of the two of them uh, achieves some dreams, and the other sort of gets left by the wayside. And it's kind of the discussion of what do you do when when those dreams aren't available to you anymore, and what what are you going to sacrifice to to try to get them? And is it a coming of age? For each of you as characters, because it sounds like going through these kinds of ups and downs and so forth and interactions with each other, that there would be a kind of maturing or hard knocks adolescents and teenagers do experience in life outside of this context and within? I would say that these characters, they, they, they become weathered over time, but to mature and to grow in the ways that most others do is, is it's difficult to say that they do that entirely because they have to hide who they are so often. And this, this spans beyond immigration status for, for some of these characters. And, and what, what you'll see is, is that lack of an ability to regulate emotionally, that sort of lack of, of understanding of, of adult relationships and what it means to have responsibilities and to have less time to see one another and to have all these complicating factors. So in some ways they do grow and they mature. And in in others, uh, I find that some of these characters stay the same. And, And that part of that dramatic tension is that sometimes you don't get to move forward. Sometimes you move laterally or you move backwards. There's also a, a time skip in, in the show. Uh, the first half takes place in the end of 2001 into 2002. And then the next time we see these characters, it's three and a half years later. And so they are, I think there has been a, an amount of growing up that, that happens off stage. And we come back to them. They're a, they're a little older. A lot of things have happened. They've shifted. Things have grown apart. And they're coming back together. And and yeah, so I think I think the coming of age happens elsewhere for them. Uh, I do think that it happens within the time frame of this of this play, but I think they also have to they have to grow up quicker, just based on what they what the sort of difficulties that they are dealing with in their day to day lives. You mentioned the time frame. What about geography? Where are we? Does that play a part in the story? I think it does. Um, it's set in Newark, which is just outside of New York City, and the beginning of the play is shortly after 9-11. And so I think that that informs a lot of of these two characters' decisions and, and uh, lives. I mean, I'm sure that they could see the towers fall. I'm sure that they had people that they knew over in the, in the city when everything was happening. Yep, and I think geographically, as a, a group of people who have to hide and have to, to be careful how they are perceived in everyday life, uh, a period of time that we entered into where everyone was tense and, and on edge, it's not just these characters anymore. There's a lot more to hide, and there are, the stakes are even higher, and the perceived safety that some of these characters had in mind when they, they entered into this environment is not so certain anymore. And that's, that's a challenge that they have to wrestle with. And sanctuary is probably a larger concept, is it, than just the designation sanctuary city and what that suggests as cities who have opened their arms to immigrants and others. 
Could there be sanctuary in friendship or other ways that the concept of sanctuary is explored on different levels in the story? Yeah, I think sanctuary in the title Sanctuary City more refers to their friendship and their relationship than anything else. I know, like me, I wasn't really aware of the term Sanctuary City until five-ish, six maybe years ago. And so I'm not sure if it really existed prior to that, but I feel like that the the title is less of, of a description of an actual sanctuary city and more of like a spiritual sanctuary city or, or an emotional relationship sanctuary city than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think to add on to that, these characters are constantly trying to to create home, create that feeling of sanctuary out of whatever they're given, which often isn't much. And especially when things at, at home get a little complicated, what, what is home? You have to go somewhere else to find it. And that's something that these two characters find in each other throughout the play. Does pop culture play a role? Any music? Do these young people turn to music as well? Yeah, there's a beautiful moment where we end up going to the prom. So you'll hear some classic 2002 hits. Uh, uh, and those have been very fun to play with in rehearsal right now. And that's, that's, the, that's the most immediate thing that comes to mind for me. Yeah, that's, that's to me the extent of it. There aren't many major references, I would say. It's just the music throughout prom. And, and I think that there are reminders with, with some of the things we talked about before and with the music and with the costuming that, that we are in the time period that we're in. So that music serves as a, as a reminder of that. But I think that's the extent of the yeah. music. And it's very specific about what time period yeah. we are in. And do you have names as characters? So the script only refers to the two characters as B and G, which stands for boy and girl. I have a character name in mind, but uh, I have not shared it with anyone. So that's going to be a little actor secret for me. I'm going to repeat that same thing. This is my little secret, even though my name starts with B. So. <laughs> your, your initials are B, G. <laughs> my, yeah, my initials are B and G. So. We always like to talk with actors about what they're drawing on in their experience of shaping a character. And so, B, Bruce, what kinds of things are you finding inside that you bring to B? Well, I think I am someone that in, in personal relationships... A lot of the times there, there is an inciting incident or something that happens that I'm not an outwardly affectionate or friendly person, I would say. That's something that like tough times will, will draw out of me. And I think watching these two characters get closer together and watching the, the home sort of feeling that B provides throughout the first part of the play is something that I bring to the table. But also that, that conflict of not really knowing who you are or where you fit is, is something that I definitely struggled with in my, in my teenage years. And I, I still struggle with today is, is where, where do I fit? And it's, it's a very uncomfortable feeling. So I'm trying to get into that physically as we speak, as we start to progress through rehearsals, is trying to find where that discomfort and that awkwardness and that, that attempt at growth lies. And Kimmy? So I... I have immigration experience. I was born in Australia, even though I do have American citizenship through my mother. 
My family moved around a lot. So like I have lived in a lot of different countries. And when we did move to the States, there was a bit of culture shock and adjustment. But mostly I've lived in the West. But there have been definitely places where I moved and I just don't know. I don't know how to fit in or I don't feel like I fit in. Or I do know that I fit in, but the world doesn't see me as fitting in. And uh, so I'm drawing on a lot of that. And my father, who uh, is technically an alien, has a green card. And, like, my family did it all in the quote-unquote correct way. But even all of that is a struggle and, and has been a struggle. And, like, I uh, remember time periods where there were there were issues with visas that we had to take care of. And that was expensive. And and it kept my family apart for, for a while. So, you know, all of those things are, are things that I'm, I'm drawing on in my, in my own experience. What's important for us now? Why is it important to tell this story here now? For me personally, I think it's important to remember that beyond the, the political discourse and on that front, it, that conversation is important. But I think we often forget in the midst of these issues and in the midst of these discussions that there are humans involved and that there are humans who did not make the choice that have to live with what they're given and do not get the same opportunities through no fault of their own. And I think also beyond all of that, it it is a, a story of interpersonal relationships and what happens when one person gets what you both wanted and how you wrestle with that. I think that's an important thing for me is is to look at this through a compassionate lens. I, I think, you know, the humanity of these characters is what's a huge draw for me. And I don't think that there's anything, I can't fault anyone for wanting to better themselves, for wanting a better life for themselves or for their children. Like, I, I, I just can't bring myself to be mad at somebody for that. And I think that's it's an inherently human desire, too. And that's, that's how civilization has progressed since we were, you know, drawing stick figures on walls, is that every generation has wanted better for the next. And that's, that's for me, that's where humanity exists. And so the humanity of these characters is, is very, very interesting to me. And that's what I want. I want folks to, to come and, and, and maybe be surprised when they feel a connection to somebody that they didn't think that they had any connection with before. I actually had another thought, which was, I think that it's important to sort of reserve any sort of gut response or, or like instinctual response to these characters, especially going into the, the back end of the play. And I, I had this feeling when I was reading it, these, these judgments I, I felt about the characters before I had even stepped in the audition room. And it, it really is such a complex and complicated piece, and their lives are, are not black and white. And I can't really fault any one character for anything that happens in this play. I think everyone there is trying their best with what they're given, and I don't think for any of them it comes from a true place of malice. Yeah, I don't think anybody in this show, everybody has antagonistic moments, but I don't think anybody is the antagonist. Mm -hmm. I think everybody is is working as hard as they can to try to to do what's best for them, and that may change day to day, and and they're changing their minds swiftly, They're, they're reversing decisions, they're coming back, yeah. We could see this on the screen, I'm sure, as a film, but it sounds like it's important to have you there in the theater 
interacting and us in the audience taking part with you that there's a certain energy and depth of experience that would come from being with you in the same space. Yeah, I think that's true of, of any theatrical experience, right? Because, like, you can go watch a movie in, in a movie theater. You can turn on Netflix, and all of that can happen. And while you do that, oftentimes you're also on your phone playing a game or something, or you can pause the movie and go to the bathroom. Or you can watch a, a car explode and be like, oh, yeah, I know that there are special effects behind that. There's something uniquely fascinating about theater and its existence, throughout human history, and it's ephemeral. It only exists in the moment that you're experiencing it. Every performance is slightly different. And with this play, I think there's something that I'm excited about, which is this, this challenge for us as actors. The first half of this play is very much based in memory, and so there's a lot of very quick flipping uh, of emotion. We're flipping conversations. We're switching memories rapidly. And in a film, you would be able to, to achieve that with just editing and cuts. But I think, and I hope, <laughs> I hope it will be exciting to see on stage to see us do that without the trick and, and the ability to, to stop, reset, and do a different take. So that's, that's a challenge that I'm excited about, and I just hope that it comes out cogent. <laughs> yes, I, know. I agree with that. Every time I've read this script, I felt like, Oh, this reads like a, this reads like a film. But I think now, having done it a few times in, in rehearsal, I understand the importance of doing it on stage because it, the just the sheer fact that we are thrown into this situation where we have to to shift in tone and in emotion and in in, in pacing so suddenly feels like a commentary in and of itself. We don't have the the luxuries, and we're we're certainly not treating it from any perspective, even even in design with any like sort of easy outs or anything like that. This is something where the onus is really on us to make these shifts feel abrupt and we will have help, but there is no easy way out of it. If, if we forget one, we're, <laughs> you know, we're in trouble. And some of them are so quick. Some of them it's, it's one or two lines and some of them it's whole pages of scenes. And we just, we're just shifting rapidly, uh, riding emotions and it's shifting body, shifting focus, shifting emotion. It's, it is a wild ride. And I hope that it is a, a tour de force. We'll see what we'll see. I hope, I hope we get there. I'm sure we will. So high and Actors Kimmy Muroya and Bruce Gomez speaking with us about the Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Martina Mayok and her work Sanctuary City that will open on January 18th at the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble and run through February 4th, the Albina Krauss Theater, 226 Center Street in downtown Bloomsburg. And the shows are Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at 7.30 each evening, and then Sunday matinees at 3. Again, Sanctuary City at the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble in the Alvina Krauss Theater, and the show runs from the 18th of January through February 4th, and it's Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at 7.30, Sunday matinees at 3. For more information on the web, bte.org, bte.org. The box office number is easy to remember. It's area code 570-784-8181, 784-8181, area code 570. 
Sanctuary City by Martina Mayok, opening at the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble on January 18th, running through February 4th. For more information, on the web, bte.org.